You're listening to Pastor Curtis Jones of Discover Church. Today, he discusses relationships as we start week two of our Song of Solomon series. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, a couple of you are up and excited to be up. I was going to say, it's, uh, it really it makes you feel excited, isn't it, when you go outside and you get that nice 21 degrees, like hits you right in the face, doesn't it? It makes you excited. It makes you long for the days back when it was Tuesday and 70, doesn't it? I was going to say, uh, don't worry, though. Remember, if you don't like the weather, this is Delaware after all. Stick around for just a couple minutes, and it'll change. It'll come back. So, so uh, I hope that you have had a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, I just want to say welcome to all of our very first time visitors. If this is your first time here, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us here at Discover Church. Uh, today uh, was especially designed for you. We have people that came in and set up this morning just in anticipation of you being here. And if this is your very first time today, we just want to ask, uh, when you came in, you should have received a worship guide. And uh, on the inside of that, you're going to find a connection card. If you have the opportunity to fill that out this morning, and you can place that in the offering or give to one of our Go Team members as you leave. We have a gift we want to give to you just for being with us today, just to say thank you so much for that. And if this is your first time, guess what? You are here in week two of the Song of Solomon, which is a series that we started last week. And uh, last week, we really kind of spent the time talking uh, about the, the Song of Solomon. And, and just to give you a background, if you don't uh, know much about the Song of Solomon, it is a book in the Bible. It was a Song of Solomon, or if you would read in the scripture, a Song of Songs. And because of that, uh, it, it is basically one of Solomon's uh, most infamous and most famous songs that he loved, that, that he was passionate about. In fact, Solomon wrote over a thousand songs in his time, and this is the one that was like his ultimate favorite, which is why he gets the Song of Solomon uh, title on the book there. And, and listen, today, and if you were with us last week, and, and don't forget that this book, the Song of Solomon, is written kind of as an allegory, so it basically has a lot of pictures painted in it, so I'm going to try to help break that down for us as we go today and as we continue through the series just to help kind of paint the picture so you understand what in the world uh, is being talked about. And we also are going to find as we read today, as we go through this, that there are multiple people that talk. Sometimes they talk in the same verse. I'm going to have to, I'll help point that out for you. Uh, so you're going to find Solomon that talks. You're also going to find his uh, future wife and his wife that talks there. Then they're also going to have friends that are going to chime in from time to time to give some encouragements. And today, I, I kind of have to give a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, we've been going for a year and a half here at Discover Church, and this is the very first time I've ever had to give this disclaimer. But today's message is what I would say rated PG-13, okay? So we're not going to say that it's got a rated R rating, and it might not be PG, but it's probably PG-13. So that if you have uh, any young people that are in here with you uh, that you are, have any concern about what they're going to hear, I, I promise you it's all from the Bible, okay? But I also want to let you know there's going to be some somewhat adult-themed things today. So uh, Cody is in the back, and he has got some opportunities to go hang with your, your young students. If that is something that you're concerned about today, you can make sure you can send them back to him at any point. He's going to kind of hang out there if that's the case. And we'll have other people that will be involved if that's the case as we go through here today as we kick off the Song of Solomon. If you want, if you have your Bible, uh, the paper version, you can flip open 
into the Song of Solomon today, or if you've taken the opportunity to download the Version app on your phone, which I strongly encourage you to do, make sure you can take that out and you can open that up today. We're going to be kicking off in the Song of Solomon, and we're going to start with kind of our theme verse for this, uh, for this series here. And our theme verse starts out right at the beginning of the Song of Solomon, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Solomon's Song of Songs, it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. This is his, his uh, love that is saying this. She says, for your love is more delightful than wine. And again, last week I kind of told you that when she says this, to give you a little bit of understanding of what we're saying here, she says that your love is more delightful than wine. Basically, it's her in, in, in kind of our language today is say, listen, the way that you love people is so miraculous. You, the way you treat me and the way you treat their kids and the way you treat those around you and your, your employees, the way you do that, it's so marvelous. You love so well. She continues on and says, pleasing is your fragrance, uh, is the fragrance of your perfumes, your name, your reputation, who you are. Is like a perfume poured out. People love to be around you because when you walk in, man, you just sweeten the room up and you make everything better. She says, no wonder the maidens love you. And this is where she gets to say, uh-uh, no, no. The, the other women can love you, but guess what? You are mine. I will go crazy up on here and snatch somebody. I will pull somebody's hair out if I have to because you are my man. And that's what she's saying here at the beginning. And today we're going to cover, last week we talked about uh, the uh, attraction, right? The different ways that we can develop attraction in ourselves so that way you know what we're attracted to but also what we're attracted, uh, what attracts us. And so we talked about that a little bit last week and you can make sure... If you didn't get a chance to, to hear that message, that is, uh, you can go on the website discoverchurch.cc or uh, on anywhere pretty much that you find podcasts. You should be able to find last week's message to hear that because last week we had a really great opportunity to hear from the worship leaders for Discover Church, share a little bit about uh, spiritual attraction and, and physical attraction and how that works and how would we open ourselves and we pour ourselves out to God and we allow God to come and fill us and he builds us up, how, uh, how much more more attractive we are to each other and to our spouses in all those things. But today, we're going to kind of continue on. So we, we kind of started with the beginnings of the relationships last week between uh, Solomon and, 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 his, and his lady here. And as we continue on with this today, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the dating scene for them and then get into uh, kind of the honeymoon scene and the beginnings of their relationship, their married relationship. So as, as we're doing this, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I really want to make sure we point out today is, is that, you know, just from the beginning of this book and from last week to this week, we can see that this family is, or that these two people are attracted to each other, right? They're, they're very attracted, and we got to be really careful for us what we attract ourselves to and what we, what we consider to be connected with, right? Because if we're not really careful, we'll allow ourselves to be attracted to the wrong thing. You can find yourselves attracted to somebody just because of the way they look, but find out that your personality and their personality does not get along at all. And, and, and if you built everything only on the surface, uh, superficial things, then guess what? You're going to discover 
conflict, and you're going to have some conflict. Now, some of you have had conflict before. Some of you are sitting next to your conflict today, okay? Some of you, you've experienced that. And listen, if you've experienced conflict in a relationship or a marriage, which we all have, uh, I'm still living, right? She's still Amy, Miss Amy, she still puts up with me every day, even when we deal with conflict. Guess what? Next week, we're going to talk about conflict, and we're going to talk about how, listen, it's not conflict isn't the problem, but it's how we handle conflict that can really be uh, the cause of the majority of our problems, right? So that's next week, and we're going to find out that this couple who says all these sweet and wonderful things to each other, that they, they have a little bit of conflict in their lives too, and, and that they're going to get into it, and we're going to see how they make it out next week. So you can join us for that. But now, so as they've established, that they last week we talked about they, they were attracted to each other, right? They they not only is it the they're uh, outside that they they look maybe look attractive, but guess what? They're attracted to each other for what they have on the inside, what God has placed on their inside, and, and I think that it's really interesting that they created this thing in what you would see in biblical terms as courtship. And of course, now we don't really have courtship nowadays, do we? We have dating. And dating is actually, you might not realize this, but dating is a really new thing. Dating is something that hasn't been going on for very long. In fact, you know, since the 1920s or somewhere thereafter uh, it is really when dating started. In fact, the, I get told stories every summer at Carrie's camp. If you've ever had the opportunity, Carrie's United Methodist camp that's in Millsboro, uh, they have a tabernacle. It's very old-timey, old-fashioned, and, and you would basically... they. They would always tell the story about how uh, at Carrie's camp, to find out if you were interested or, or in, a, in a person or not is about the fact if you get invited to walk around the tabernacle together in front of everybody. And that, and that was to show basically your level of intent. How, how innocent and sweet were the times when that was the case, isn't it? Nowadays, we do stuff a little bit differently. In fact, one of the things that I love, uh, you might not know this about me and Amy, but me and Amy, actually, we dated when we were in high school. And I'm allowed to tell the story because this is truth, okay? This is truth, all right? But we actually dated in high school, and you know what she did? She broke up with me. She dumped me in high school. And you know why? Because I was too young. I was too young. I was, I'm a little bit younger than her, and she said, you're just too young for me. I just can't know. We can't do it. And then uh, when we were able to come back together uh, and uh, when we were uh, going through, I was in college, uh, and, and, and I was able to drive, you know, it was, we, you know, I, I grew up a little bit, right, I started being, I, was it facial hair, maybe, I don't know if that's what it was, but, uh, but as we, we went through this phase, you know, the, the next time that we came together, one of the things that I loved about it is basically, I had kind of made the decision on my own that I was not into just to date to date, like, I did not want to experience dating for the sake of dating, but I really wanted to take an opportunity to see if the person that I was going to, quote, date was going to be the one. So we had the opportunity to sit down and connect with that. And we kind of explained that. that there's a first date for you. Like, so, hey, this is for real, right? Like, we're going to really try. Yeah, and, but for us, it was an amazing thing for us because we knew going into it exactly what we were going to expect to see if it was to happen. And guess what? I am so, super, super excited to say that she has put up with me and she has dealt with me for over 15 years of marriage now, plus all that pre-time when she was trying to groom me and make me into the wonderful man that I am today. And she, she, I, I don't know if you know, but she did a pretty good stinking job, I think. I was going to say, at least that's what I tell myself in the morning when I look in the mirror. 
But nowadays, right, nowadays we do things different, don't we? We don't do it like they used to do back in biblical times. You don't hear as much today about courtship or any of that kind of stuff, but it's about dating. And, and the problem that I really see is that the dating aspect that we see in our world is a little bit off because everything else we do, uh, it, it, we, everything else that we do in our lives, we, we really make sure that we try hard, we work on to get the reward for, Right. So let me give you an example. You go to school and you don't study and you don't do your work and you don't do your homework and what happens? You fail, you know? You go to work and you don't really do your work. You just kind of show up to be there. You know, you punch in, you punch out, but you don't really do your thing. And what happens? You get fired. But in dating is one of those ones where we think that if we kind of like play to practice and we kind of do all this different stuff, that it's going to be different. You know, nowadays, the scenario that we find is that guy meets girl, guy goes to dinner with girl, and then after a few short dates, we decide whether we're going to move in with one another or not, and then we do that until it seems convenient, or you do something really egregious towards me, and I get mad and I kick you out, or I do it until I find that you've cheated because there's somebody else that's prettier out there, somebody that's better looking, somebody that's got a better job that makes more money. And, and we just continue the trend of just seeing, like, if it'll work. We don't really, uh, you know, we don't really have the intent behind it. And I heard another pastor say, say it this way, is that uh, you practice like you play. You know, when we practice like we play, it, it leads us into situations where, where it, when, we, when we don't do that, and when we don't realize that in the dating realm of our relationships realm of individual people, that guess what? When we, when we kind of treat that so casually and so flippant that we don't take it serious, then we don't realize that we're, we're practicing like we're playing there, and it's going to cause us heartache in the end. When you go to school and you do your homework and you study and you work hard and you graduate and then you go to college and you graduate with a degree, what does it do for you? It allows you to, to, to be ready to advance yourselves, to propel yourselves to that career. But when we date sometimes, it kind of puts us in that weird, awkward spot where, where, where we kind of only do it until it satisfies us. And when it doesn't satisfy us anymore, then we quit. And then sometimes... That happens, and, and maybe you've experienced this in your own life, and, and if you have, it's okay, but we get into marriages like that, and then the marriages that we get into, we decide when we're ready to be done and quit and call it quits, and, and we throw in the D word and all that other stuff, and that's why I want to tell you today, I just want to kind of give you the, the, the little notice today that if you've experienced that in your past in your past, if you've, if you've dealt with this, if maybe this is something you've walked down, if maybe the story that I'm kind of laying out today is a story that you've lived, I want to I let you know it's okay because guess what? You're not the only person that's done that. You're, you're not alone in this. But I also want to let you know that God is an amazing God that forgives us of, of all those things. And, and the funny thing is, is so many times we ask God for forgiveness for our, mis- for our mistakes of our past, for the issues that we've had in our past. But yet we still cling on to them so tightly because we can't let go. We can't forget and forgive ourselves of what we've done and what we had. But you can do that today. Today can be the day when you can find yourself set free from all those things that you've held in the past. See, we can't change our past, but we can change our future. You can change the future relationship. Listen, if you're married today, if you're dating today, if you're single today, guess what? You can change. You can dictate what the future looks like in that way. 
Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes. This is the only verse that's out of the, not in the Song of Solomon that we're going to talk about today. But he says this in Ecclesiastes 3.1. He says that there is a time for everything and a season for everything under the sun. Under the sun. There's a season for everything. Now, I know that we have some friends of ours that go to Florida for the wintertime, and they enjoy uh, their nice, warm uh, Florida air, you know, and that's when they start thinking it's cold when it's 60, and they have to put sweatshirts on, right? They don't get to experience all the seasons, do they? But if you live in Delaware, guess what? You're going to experience the seasons. You could experience four seasons in one week, okay? That's how it rolls here. You never know. But... There is a time and a season for everything, and if we're not careful, we want some, sometimes some things out of season. We want sometimes things that are out of order, and when we do that, when we experience that, it causes issues and conflict in our life. And, and, and many times I think we do this because we want to base our, th- base our livelihood and how we live and how we act and what we do off of how we feel. And if you want to do that, listen, I, I'm telling you, you'll survive, Right? You can survive going on based on how you feel, but boy, your feelings, I want to let you know, if you didn't know this, your feelings are very, very misleading. And if you don't believe me, then go out and get you that nice dinner that you get, get filled up somewhat on that, and then they bring out that dessert menu and they throw that chocolate pie or that peanut butter pie in your face because you know if it's peanut butter pie, it has to be from God, okay? They throw that out and you say, boy, I really think I could eat that. And you order it because you feel like that's what you want. That's what you want. You want that peanut butter pie. And then you eat it. And then what do you do? It hits you. That peanut butter comes and just weighs you down and feels like you barely can get out of your chair and you can move. That's what happens to us sometimes when we base our lives on our feelings. When we base our lives on feelings, feelings can be misleading. We're going to read now. uh, We kind of are going to move ahead in the Song of Solomon. We're going to go to chapter 2 if you're following along with us. In chapter 2. Verse 8 says this, it says, listen, my lover, look, here he comes. She is so excited when he says this. She, uh, he's leaping. Uh, I'm not going to leap. I'm not much of a leaper. That's about as good of a leap as I get to this morning. But he's leaping across the mountains. He's bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle. How, how many of you, 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 once, you once at a time, you were a gazelle, weren't you? You were, you were just running out there. You're a gazelle or a young stag. He says, look, there he stands behind our walls. Gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice, my lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me to the Cheesecake Factory because it is just so good. No, he didn't say that. I added that. That's the the Curtis Jones version there. One of the things that we're going to find as we go through seasons in our lives is that there is very often times the first season that we come to, and that is a season of perfection. A season of perfection. And in the season of perfection, this is where you first get into something. You first get into the job, or you first get into the relationship, or you first get into whatever it is, right? And everything is just perfect. It is perfect. It is so great. It's so amazing. This is when they say love is blind because you don't see anything wrong. You don't see the fact that that joker is ugly. It's okay. No, I didn't say that. No, love is blind, but he's perfect. He's so marvelous. But the problem is, in our season of perfection, we have to be careful and make sure that 
we recognize it's the season of perfection because if we don't, then when the perfection kind of wears off, then the, then the, ugly, and the, and the, 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 the somewhat ugliness kind of gets revealed to whatever the situation is, whether it's your job or your relationships or, or what have you. When it comes in, then all of a sudden you can become really disgruntled really fast. And this is why I think it's really, really uh, important in relationship, especially if you're a young person and you're dating or you're going to start dating or even, you know, you're, you're kind of in the midst of this right now. One of the things I think is so important to do at the beginning is limiting your time and your talk, uh, how much you spend time alone with. One thing we have to recognize, and, and, and we all need to recognize this, is that we know that men and women are different, praise God. Yeah, oh yeah, okay, I got one clap on it. Yes, say yes, praise God, men and women are different. Men are designed to give, men are designed to give and to do, and women are, are, are designed to, to, they receive, they, they love when you just pour stuff out. Why do you think it is that men send flowers? Men, by the way, guys, Valentine's Day is this week, okay? Don't mess it up, okay? We can't be doing a series on relationships and have you have you blow it, okay? It doesn't have to be Valentine's Day, okay? I'm not saying you got to get on all the commercialism, but but don't mess up this week, okay? Do, do something a little special, all right? But we know that that, right? We, we know that that we need to make sure that we limit our touch. We got to make sure that we recognize because when we get in the midst of that, we realize that, guess what? Men are all about the touch, Men are, they're, they're about touch. So, so what seems innocent is a, a holding hands and, and, and it's very quickly it can, can approach different things, can it? It's amazing how you go, guys, listen, we're, we're, we're like the fastest horsepower engine there is in the world. We go from zero to 100,000 in like no time, okay? It don't take much, all right? When you get that little teeny bit of touch in there, that's all it takes. What's that? The fire, boy, that fire gets stoked, doesn't it? It gets rolling. In the Song of Solomon, it continues on in verse 11. It says, see the winter. Now, this is important for us because remember, we're talking about there's a season and time for everything. See the winter. And what do we do in wintertime? In, in wintertime, we prepare. And what are we preparing for? We're preparing for spring. We're preparing for the time when we can plant, when things grow, and when we can go. It says, see the winter. He says, is the past. It says, and the rains are over and gone. But guess what? Flowers appear on the earth. Spring's starting to happen. And the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in the land. The cooing of doves is basically saying, oh, it, it, the relationship is getting serious. It's getting real here. And in Solomon, it says in verse 14 that he was hiding and preparing himself during this time. Solomon was making sure that he himself was ready for the relationship. And that takes us into the next one. And that is when we want to get into a serious relationship, we need to make sure we have the season of preparation. Preparation. Because listen, when we're, when we're looking for the person, we're not looking for the right person, remember, but we're looking to become the right person. We want to become the person that we want to date, that we want to be with. Even if you're married today and maybe you've been married for 25 years, listen, don't give up on the fact that you are not constantly having to work on what, what, what you see for her, right? You can't change her. She can't change him. But what we need to do is make sure that we prepare ourselves continuously, continuously work on yourself to make sure that your mate is attracted and that you're doing things, that you're working on that relationship and that preparation. 
one of the ways that they did it in the dating scene, as we see in Solomon here, is that they had good godly friends. And in fact, that in, in a wedding time, that would be what the bride, bridesmaids and the groomsmen would be for. They're not, now we just use them as decoration, don't we? We just, you got to have the fleet of people standing up there with you while you get married, right? But back in the day when this was originally designed, that the groomsmen's, uh, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids, they, they would actually basically be guarding for the groom and the bride. They would actually be, be there making sure that they were prepared, that everything was, was done right, that everything was the way it was supposed to be, that no one else got in the way of what was happening, what was coming. Because we know that the ultimate goal is to walk in love. We often hear, how many of you have ever used the expression or you've heard the expression, right, that, oh, I just fell in love. I've often wondered why we fall in love. I've often wondered why we fall in love because falling in love assumes that we're going down, right, that you're falling, right, like you found a ditch and you fell in it. And you're trying to figure out how to how to climb back up. I don't know. I felt I was in love, and here I'm in a ditch, and now I'm trying to figure out how to get up. And how I'm to, how am I going to climb out? But guess what? We find that falling in love really isn't what love is about, is it? Love, in fact, does the exact opposite when we love. Love lifts up, doesn't it? Love lifts people up so that we can take and we see these people that are imperfect that we love. We know that they're imperfect, they have faults and failures, but because the love that we have for them, because we want to serve them, that it lifts them up. And because it lifts them up, we're, we're willing to take and we're willing to, to, to not worry about some of the other things that, that frustrate us, the imperfections that they have. Solomon 2 verse 15 says this, it says, catch for us the foxes, because guess what? Sometimes there's foxes in our relationship. The little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Now, I want to let you know, vineyard is a representation of the body, her body specifically. You can draw this pretty good clear line, I think, hopefully today, between when we talk, when the scripture says that we're going to catch the foxes, the foxes that run in the vineyard, when our vineyards are in bloom, you can kind of draw the picture to what this is meaning. This is not literal foxes that we're talking about here. This is a a, a warning that comes into the midst of this scripture here that says that foxes, you got to, you got to, sometimes you got to watch out for the foxes because sometimes the foxes, they want to get in and mess in the vineyard. And, And what would happen is in, in this is, again, this is drawing a picture from what would happen. Foxes would actually get into the vineyards and you know what they would do? They would eat the fruit before it could be picked when it was ripe. As soon as it was ripe, they would come in, they would eat the fruit. So guess what? You don't get to enjoy the fruition of what has happened because somebody else has come and they stole it. Somebody else has come in and they've taken, uh, they, they've taken advantage of the situation. They've taken advantage of you. That leads us to the next one, and this is the one that can be really tough sometimes, and that's the season of purity. A season of purity we realize that purity is it's kind of a word that we don't like to use very often anymore. It's a, it's a word that describes like that there's so many restrictions that we place in our lives. But the problem is, is that purity is not so much a restriction that we place in our life. And this is, this, this, listen, this needs to still happen in married couples, for married couples. This still needs to happen in your life. This still needs to happen in us. We still need to make sure that we maintain purity in our lives 
as we know, because what do we know? If we don't maintain the season of purity in our lives, what happens? We've, it turns out we hurt other people, don't we? Because we lack the self-control to remain pure. In the dating scene, how, how would you do this? This is where family comes in so, so much. Listen, I want to let you know that if you maybe are new to the area, you don't have family here, and you are looking for someone to help you. I want to let you know that Discover Church, we are your church family, a church body that wants to stand with you to encourage you and equip you to love better than you've ever loved before, to serve better than you've ever served before. Guess what? We're willing to do that if you're willing to take that step, if you're willing to take that chance. And, and again, you say, well, listen, that, that ship sailed a long time for me. I, I, that, that happened years ago. I, I can't possibly experience a life of purity now because of all the problems that I've had in the past. But one of the things I can tell you today, this is one of the things I love so very much about when you read the word of God and you get into the scripture, is that we read words from Jesus and read words about Jesus that talks about how Jesus can make all things new. He can make old things new again. So even if you've experienced points in your life where you knew that purity was important, but it still fell by the wayside, listen, don't get held back by the history that you can't change, but hold on to the future that you can. Realize that Jesus Christ gave us the opportunity. He gave me the opportunity. Listen, I don't want you to look at me and say, well, you've been married for 15 years. You don't know nothing about it. No, the struggle is real. It's a real thing that we struggle with. I, I, I give so much credit to Frank Honus, who, gets to, who has shared many times about his own struggles that he's had in his life, the struggle for purity, the struggle to make sure, and the fact that, listen, when we take those things for real, for serious, that I love when I get to see the relationships of people around me who think purity is like a real thing that we really hold on to. Because when God comes in and he made our lives new and, and we really hold on to that, guess what? It's amazing to see the relationship that thrives underneath of it. It's amazing to see the blessing that God pours out underneath of all of that. He makes all things new even when you don't think that you can be made new. Even when you doubt and you struggle. This family that we see, the beginnings of family here in Solomon, this is what she does. So we, we get a charge from the friends now. It says, the daughters of Jerusalem, this is uh, Solomon 3, verse 5. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. Here's gazelles. They love gazelles in this book, don't they? Here, I charge you by the gazelles and, and the uh, the the. Uh, the does, I, I, I want to say dues, uh, that's not right. It's the does of the field, but do not arouse or awaken my love until it so desires. Listen, I need my friends, I need my family to help guard my heart. I need the accountability and the purpose in my life because when all that comes into play, and this is what happens with them as we continue on through the story here, as this all comes into play for Solomon and his love, they find out that when they did all the preparation right, when they went through all the seasons right, when they did everything right, that, that, that it comes into the play where, guess what, they get to experience what God entitled for a, a married man and a married woman to do. They get to experience the godly sex that they had the opportunity for. In Song of Solomon, chapter 4, now this is going to start a change that you're going to see here, okay? Song of Solomon, chapter 4, up until now, 
She has done 75% of the talking. Can I get an amen? Okay, yes. I, I, it's okay. Ladies, we know you have a lot more words you need to say in a day than men, men do, okay? She has done 75% of the talking up until now. But in chapter 4, he says this, starting in verse 1. It says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. And he goes through some descriptions here. Your eyes, are, uh, your eyes behind your, your veil are doves. He says, your hair is like a flock of goats. Try saying that one, guys. Descending from Mount Gilead. Listen, you can't. Don't use that, okay? Don't use. Listen, I have goats, okay? They're really nice creatures, but don't describe your wife as her hair or any other feature of her as a flock of goats, okay? It's just different times, different times, different times, okay? Listen, it, you can describe her as that with Mount Gilead in the background, okay? And you want to do that. You don't have that, okay? There's no mountains. Uh, unless you're going to go to the landfill, that's a bad idea too. Just, just don't do it. Just don't make any of those descriptions, okay? In fact, uh, in a couple weeks, in two weeks, I have uh, me and, and, and Amy kind of sat down and we, we wrote a little bit of a, what I would call a Sussex County version I'm going to share with you of this scripture. You're going to have to come back in two weeks to hear it though, okay? But here is another really great part about this, okay? Uh, it, it says, your teeth, uh, <laughs> your teeth are like a flock of sheep. Just shorn. Boy, and, and listen, if you don't know her teeth, she's got the whitest teeth around. That's amazing. It says coming up from the washing. Each, and this is so good. Ain't, baby, I love this about you. You know, each has a twin. Not one of them is alone. I'm so glad you got all your teeth, sweetheart. Uh, you got all of them. It looks so great. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. And your neck is like the Tower of David. What she says here, what he says here about her, he says, your neck is like the Tower of David. It, it is so strong. Like you, the way you hold yourself up, the way you project yourself, the confidence that you have in yourself is so attractive. You're built with elegance. And on it, you can hang a thousand shields and all of them the shields of warriors. I want to give you a few things before we wrap up today, and that is one about godly sex, because I, I really think that this is an important thing, and I know that some people, you probably, if you grew up in church, you know, church, we don't talk about that. That's a three-letter word we don't use. We use a lot of other words, but we, we don't use that one, and listen, I, I'm going to go into this just for a little bit, and our reason is I think we have to, because you can turn on the TV or the radio or whatever you're going to listen to. You can uh, podcast. It, it doesn't matter. There's adult-themed stuff everywhere, and we're all hearing it, and you're all getting the world's projection of what, what it should be or what's okay. But I, I love the fact that, that here we have a, a godly example of a man and a woman, and the passion that they have one for another is so inspiring for me, and it's something for us for, we, for us to live up to. And, and here's a couple points I want to give you about godly sex, okay? And, and if, you, if, if that's too much for you to write down, you just put those three little lines. You don't even have to write the word, okay, if, you, if, it's, too, if, it's, too, if it's too temperamental for you. But godly sex is this. It's affirming. It's affirming. And I, I want to let you know this is important. Words are important. Words are so, so very important. Speaking, the way we speak to your spouse, the way you speak to your kids, the way you, you project yourself, the way you deal with coworkers, all, all the words that we use are very, very important. And if we're not careful, we're going to cast the wrong image about us that we don't really feel. 
One of the things I work on sometimes is people look at me, they say, boy, you, you kind of look mad all the time. I, I'm not mad. I'm actually, do, I'm, I'm excited. But, the, but the, the way we look and the way we project ourselves and the, what we say is so important. And listen, Solomon took the opportunity to really lay it on here. In, in uh, chapter 4, verse 5, he says, your two breasts are like two fawns, like the twin fawns of a gazelle. And he's gazelles again. They, they love gazelles in this book. And, and the, they browse among the lilies. He is basically saying that, you know, listen, he's getting ready to come in for the embrace. You know, he's lifting her up the whole time as he brings her in. And he's lifting her up and he's telling her her value. And he's telling her how important she is. And he's telling her how much he loves her. All these words are so incredibly important. Because guess what? As he's coming in, it gets us to our next point, And that is that godly sex is tender. It's tender. It's something because it, it, it's not basically getting what you want out of something, but it's allowing your emotions, your relationship to come alive with each other. She was not the object of the passion. She was not, uh, she was not just for his personal use. She was not meant just to be a thing that was part of his life, but she was the object of the goal of his affection. Men are... Our goal, and this is for, for all the men, listen, our goal is that your woman should feel like the most valued and treasured thing in your life. She has to feel like the most valued and treasured. And listen, ladies, if you're here today and, and you don't have a man, he should make you feel like you're the most valued treasure in his life. He, he should just lift you up. His words to you should be able to, to come off and just to let you know exactly the passion that he has in his heart for you. Because God's love is tender towards us, and our love as couples are tender towards, should be tender towards each other. Solomon 4, chapter 6 says that until the day breaks, y'all thought uh, Lionel Richie wrote all night, Lionel, all night long. No, no, oh, come on, man. I can't believe you. you're not going to give me a line out of my life. Until the day breaks, as long as it goes, until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountains of myrrh on the hill of incense. This is, he is being romantic. He is laying it all out for her. He is, he is letting her know that, guess what, baby, that I love you so very much. And this gets us to our last point for the day, and that is this, is that godly sex is passionate. Marriage, I really get frustrated when I, I hear people talk or I see on TV, people talk about marriage being like a ball and chain. Marriage has never been intended to be a ball and chain. It's never meant to be something that weighs us down or drags us around. It's never, it's never that, that's not really how it's ever been described when we look to, we see the relationship that it, this couple lays out here. It's not about a ball and chain, but it's about fullness. It's about the fact that the passion that we have for each other is allowed to take alive and come alive in our lives. How many times have we heard, uh, again, in, in TVs, and in, in TV, maybe even our, in our own lives where, where we feel that we're not in love anymore or that we, the romance has faded. You know why some of that times the stuff that, that, that happens in life is because love and romance and passion, they all take work. They take work, it's, it's effort, it's work, it's energy that we have to put into that. Because guess what? That builds relationships up. 
You don't just accidentally have relationships, do we? You actually have to take the time to, to, to build it up and to, to add to it. Song of Solomon 4.7 4, says this. I love this. He says, all beautiful you are, my darling. And then he says, there is no flaw in you. Does that mean that she's perfect? She's not perfect. Not by any stretch. She has flaws just like he does, just like each one of us does. But he says, guess what? I don't care about any of that stuff. I, can't, I don't care about any of that because guess what? I love you. I'm passionate for you. I'm fiercely loved for you. We know that godly sex, when, when, when we do it right, when we do it according to what God has called for us, that it adds value and security to our lives. I want to let you know, it, it's so easy in a world that we live in when you have a phone and a tablet and a computer. I, I, I know when there is pornography and images all around us that, that it, there's, so, there's so many easier things to draw our attention to, isn't there? There's so many easier things that we can get sucked into both as men and as women, there's things that we can get sucked into and we get drawn into. But boy, when we allow ourselves to have the relationship like is laid out in Song of Solomon, when we experience the passion, when we experience the tenderness and the love and the mercy, when we experience all of these things and they come into our lives into play, it's amazing. It is just amazing how much more life can be fulfilled in each of us. In closing... I want to read to you the last bit here in Song of Solomon 4, verses starting of 9. If the worship team wants to come on out, they can. He says, you have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart. With one glance of your eye, with one jewel from your necklace, how delightful is your love. My sister, my bride, how much more pleasing is your love than wine, your fragrance of your perfume. Isn't it funny? What's, what is he saying right here? He's saying the very same thing she started in chapter 1. He says, how pleasing is your love, uh, how much more pleasing is your love than wine and your fragrance of your perfume uh, more than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness and honeycomb. The way you speak is so sweet. The words that you say are so tender. My bride, milk and honey are under your tongue. And I want to let you know that in, this is the Curtis James Version, but I really kind of think that this is like where you, you find that uh, 1,900 years before French ever, France ever was in, invented and the French kiss was ever invented, this is when some French kissing was happening, okay? It's in the, it's in the Bible. It's right there. It's all laid out for you, Okay. <laughs> I just you can you can highlight it, guys. If you need to, you draw a little line under it. You can bookmark it, whatever you need to do. God created the standard, and I know it's so easy that when God creates a standard in our lives, that there's sometimes, and, and I fully admit this. Okay, I fully, I this is a confession for me today. Sometimes I know that the standard that God has called me in my life, I can't live up to. I know it. I, I know it. I, I know that no matter what it is, sometimes you feel that way. Sometimes you feel like you're on fire for God and you, there's, you can conquer anything. And other times you're just like, I, I can never live up to the standard that you've called for me to do. I can never, I can never ra rise myself to the level that, you, that you're looking for me 
to be raised to. But I just want to let you know today, that is the whole purpose to Jesus coming and dying on the cross. That's the whole purpose to him coming. Because listen, he knew that the level for us to be able to, to, to reach God was unattainable without him. So guess what he says? He says that, guess what? I'm going to come to bridge that gap for you so that when, when, when it feels unbearable, when it feels like you've messed up too much, when you feel like you've been all, all the wrong dates and you've, you've been with all the wrong guys, you've been with all the wrong girls, when your marriage, you know, whether you've been, whether you're in marriage number one or marriage number 25, I, I don't know. I, I know sometimes it feels unbearable doesn't it? it feels like you can't live up to the standard but I want to let you know that when we allow God and his Holy Spirit to come into our lives something changes inside of us something changes and so that you're you can't do anything about that past you can't do anything about the past relationships you can't do anything about the past heartbreak and about all the things that you should have done then but boy you can change from today on how we're going to live I'd ask, would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close? Today, I really want to invite you. I want to take the opportunity to invite you. If, as you've experienced pain and heartache in your own life, as you've experienced maybe these broken relationships, I want to let you know there's freedom from all that weight and baggage today. I don't believe marriage is a ball and chain, but boy, I know that past regrets and mistakes and failings, I know that can be. I know it can be. The, the, the fact is, is that our past sometimes weighs down on us so much, it totally wrecks our future because we don't let it go. We don't take the opportunity to drop all that stuff. Well, I want to let you know today, there's no better day than to take the opportunity to come to Jesus and lay it all down today. And as we get ready to pray, I, I just want to invite you, listen, if this is your very first time where you're ready to call out to God, you've never done this before, you say, I don't even know how to do it. it I love the fact that God made it so easy for us. Jesus made it so easy for us. Basically, our goal today, if this is you, if this is your very first time, is to call out to Jesus and say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins of all the experiences I've had in the past that, that I know weren't right, all the regrets, all the pain, I come and I lay that down at your feet today. And the next part, the next part is the most important part. It's not just for us to pray for our past to be forgiven, but to pray that from today, this day forward, that we can be changed, that God can do something in our lives today and so that we can find more of God today than we did yesterday. And that tomorrow we'll find more of him than we did today. For us to continually grow in his love and his mercy, his kindness, and his peace and his love. And the fact that when we do this, when we call out to him, he says that he's going to send his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit's going to help us on that daily walk. Today, would you, would you call out to him? And I, I want to ask if you, if today you're married, if you've got your spouse with you, if you've got somebody with you, just, just take that time. You can put your hand 
around each other. You can put a hand on a shoulder, hold hands. I just want to ask that as we get ready to close today that God would do a work in your, in your marriage, that he would do a great and mighty work in your relationship, that he would rekindle things, that he would stoke some fire up so that the fire can burn just as bright today as it did on the honeymoon, just as bright today as it did in year one, just as bright as it did today as that moment where you can remember that really great time that you went on, that trip that you went on, all that fun and excitement you had, that all that fire can get stoked back up today. Would you pray with me today, everyone? Please pray with me. Don't just listen to me pray. And today, if this is your opportunity to call out to Jesus, take that time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you so very much for today, Father God. Lord, we thank you that we have the Song of Solomon. We have this wonderful scripture series that is built on real life, a real life couple, Father God. That we could experience the love and the passion that they have for each other, Father God. And Lord, that we could experience that love and passion in our own life, Father. That you could allow each of us, Father God, to make sure that we're not just searching for people to be the right person, but that we're aiming to be the right person, Father God. Lord, for our past sins and mistakes, Lord, we, we ask that you forgive us, Father God. Forgive me, Father, for all the times that I've messed up, Father God. Lord God, allow me to be drawn into you, Father God, and Lord, allow me not today to live the way that I have been living, but Lord, to live a new life, that I could be made new in you. And so that your Holy Spirit will walk with me every single step of the way as I draw closer. Father God, right now I pray for each uh, couple out here in this auditorium, Father. I pray for the ones that are single and searching, Father God. I pray for the ones that are still dating, Father God. Lord, I want to ask right now, Father God, that you would continue to do a great and mighty work, Father. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and stir and speak life, Father God, into each and every person. Father, we just want to thank you. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you sing the song with us as we get ready to close?